Hello, everybody, and welcome to Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, getting my name right this time, and I'm here, as always, with my, my co-host and friend, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Uh, I'm exhausted after, well, I, I feel like I say this every week, but that, I think I think we, we've now hit peak wackiness, you know, as, as far as the, the conference goes. So exhausted after um, doing absolutely nothing other than watching all the crazy basketball that took place. Yep, that means that, so, you know, we're, we're in a good place, I'd say. Um, we've got a lot to get to today, so I think it's best that we dive right into the recap of the week. Uh, we will be obviously previewing the entire Big Ten tournament at the back half of this, so uh, stay tuned for that. But I think first we got to talk about Purdue has locked up an outright title. Um, the Boilermakers got it done with, with two wins uh, at Wisconsin and then against holding off an Illinois team. You know, I can't say that either of us expected it when uh, we were starting the season, but but what a season from Purdue. Um, I know we've we've talked a lot about kind of what their team plays like and and what their potential is in terms of a ceiling and the national in the the NCAA tournament and we'll get to that more next week but I think I think we should just start by offering a hearty congratulations to to Matt Painter's crew. I think the the other sort of thing to watch if you're a Purdue fan the this sort of battle for the the one line um, in the NCAA tournament I think th- th- there's a, there's a little bit of an interesting swizzle just with Purdue having. I think struggled over the last, you know, and struggled being a relative word, but having slowed down over the last couple of months. I think most people have them sort of on the two line. Um, if, if not there, then maybe the the fourth one seed. And, you know, you almost wonder, you know, if there's a fourth one seed, they're, they're going to have to go out west. And you'd almost wonder whether they'd rather kind of stay local, but be a two seed, maybe in Houston or like, you know, Alabama's. Alabama's side of the house so you know that that's interesting to watch especially depending on how they do in the Big Ten tournament because presume I would presume if they win in Chicago they will end up as a one seed yeah I think I think you're right that's a really interesting thing to watch out I mean I think it's basically between Purdue and UCLA uh in the Pac-12 for that last one seed so I think this this tournament this weekend could actually have some pretty serious implications um I think, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're Matt Painter, you say you just want the one seed and you're ready to go for it. But uh, I think there is a little bit of, of at least thinking that they're going to have to do. So now we move on to the Michigan State Spartans, uh, who managed to get the last double bye with the four seed in the tournament. Two big wins for them uh, at Nebraska and home against Ohio State. You know, those those teams are, are, are no pushover, as we've found, especially recently. Um, so it's good to see Michigan State kind of end their season strong. You know, they had some great shooting against Nebraska going 55% from three. And, you know, we're able to, we're also shooting 60% uh, against Ohio State. So is this something that's sustainable down the road, down the stretch here? Or are they going to, you know, kind of be forced to keep relying on um, what, what's gotten them to, what's gotten to work in the past? I mean, well, I don't know that you can rely on, you know, shooting 50 plus percent from three uh, over the, yeah, I don't know, over the course of like a six-game NCAA tournament per se, but I think a it's it's really good that they sort of responded after blowing after that really that heartbreaking loss in Iowa City last week. I mean, they they could have really gone into a tailspin just as, essentially with everything that's going on on that campus that they're dealing with emotionally, but um, instead the opposite happened. Um, and you know. Izzo looks like he's got his guys playing their best ball heading into March, which is no surprise to anyone that's familiar with the conference. Um, what, what I do think they will have to continue to rely on is just is, is their guards. You know, Hagard and, you know, Walker are going to be the the ones that, you, you know, I think take them take them wherever it is they're 
destiny ends up taking them this year. I think, you know, Joey Hauser has been shooting really well as of late and Malik Hall is kind of the wild card in terms of ability to break down an offense. So, you know, we've, we've chronicled that. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a scary team when they get, they get hot from three, they can hang with anyone in the conference for sure, but probably anyone in the country. So if they keep shooting 50 plus percent, I mean, I'd watch out if, you know, you're a two seed or a one seed that gets them as like the seven or eight. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, you know, obviously any team in the country would love to shoot that well from three, but they've had a lot of games where they, they can really do that. And they, they're so dynamic with, with a lot of shooters that it's definitely going to be, they're going to likely keep them in a lot of games um, against what you would consider to be better teams. Moving on. Um, we've got Penn state who got a big, big increase to their bubble chances. Uh, and, because with uh, two, uh, you know, very close, very tight wins, uh, they were able to win in overtime in Evanston uh, on a on a three pointer, I believe, from Cameron Winter, uh, and then he did it again against Maryland uh, and hit one at the buzzer to finish off a furious comeback. It's obviously this is great for Penn State, um, you know, in terms of of how they're playing recently. I still find them on personally on the wrong side of the bubble, but it's you know any momentum heading into the conference tournament is is definitely a plus for Micah Shrewsbury's crew. Yeah, and, and that's, the, I think, the key here. I mean, you you looked at where they were just a week ago, having blown that big lead to Rutgers at home. Um, you kind of thought that that was the, that the clock had struck midnight on them. But, I mean, I think what we're seeing is, you know, Micah Shrewsbury has built a program that's, you know, tough and full of, you know, guys that are going to continue to not back down. And I think we've, we've chronicled, you know, Jalen Pickett and how he's effectively dragged this team to a, a, a 500 record in conference, but it's, it's really been their secondary guys that I think have stepped up. You know, you, you talked about Cam winner, um, you know, guys like Seth Lundy, Miles Dredd, um, th- th- you know, th- this is what they had to do this week really to have any shot at, at, at the tournament and you know even even though they're only the 10 seed like you know the opportunities are there right in front of them to pick up quality quality wins and, and quad one wins too um right just because all these games are, are neutral site from here on out um uh, so i i don't know i mean i think it, it kind of depends on the bracket that you look at you know they're five and six in quad one games 56 in the nets probably too low but i mean you know, I, I don't know. You, you and we'll talk about this in a second. I mean, you, you knock off Illinois, who they've swept already this year, and um, they might be in okay position. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an ability for them to really enhance their resume. Um, so I think I think that we'll we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. Um, but I think a really good point about the supporting guys. I mean, Pickett's had two relatively down games, especially in scoring. So it's been good to see. Uh, the rest of those guys really really pick up uh, and and help after he's been kind of dra- like you said dragging them to a bunch of wins the entire season. Uh, moving on, I believe Northwestern has secured their first ever double buy in this expanded Big Ten tournament uh, as they ended the season with a road win at the rack uh, to end up with the two seed. Obviously, hell of a season for for Northwestern, um, who find themselves currently, I think, as a, a seven seed uh, in most brackets, somewhere kind of in those in that line, um, you know, safely in the tournament. Um, you know, a really good kind of break out of their funk. They lost three, pri- three previously, including that, that aforementioned uh, buzzer beater against Penn state. So I think, you know, we've said a lot of good things about Northwestern. it's a, an interesting style of play. Um, and we'll see how that 
works in back-to-back game settings, but huge win for the Wildcats to really give himself a well-deserved rest uh, until Friday. But on the other side, um, things are kind of in a free fall for Rutgers right now. I believe they have lost six of eight um, going back to the beginning of February. Um, Their only wins coming at Wisconsin and at Penn State, um, and they did lose to Minnesota as well this week uh, at blowing another big lead. I mean, it's... I know the committee's not supposed to look at the last 10 games, so Rutgers should still probably be okay, but things are not looking good for the Scarlet Knights. And and what do you think that's due to, Steve? Um, Well, I I do want to first make the point about karma, not being flexible in in trying to change up their schedule to benefit the the Spartans and allow them to get that extra game is, I mean, they got what they deserved there in, in losing a buzzer beater at Minnesota. So I, I don't think there's anything more to say there on that, but I mean, really what this comes down to is, I mean, they have to be elite on defense to win games because the offensive production just isn't there. I think teams were surprised earlier at your Cam Spencer in particular. And I think he's, he's slowed down to a pretty good de- degree. And I think teams are figuring out how to neutralize, you know, Balkehi too. You know, it, it's interesting though, right? Like despite all these struggles and, and despite really an unimpressive record at, at 18 and 13, I mean, Rutgers is 40 in the net, you know, five and six in quad one games. I mean, so it's like, it's not a terrible, it's not a terrible resume no crazy impressive wins in the, the non-conference, but no real like bad losses, I, I guess, either. I mean, this Minnesota loss was, was probably the, the worst one of their season. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I actually, I mean, they, they've sort of been sneaking down, but I, I kind of think they're they're sort of on the bubble. I mean, I, I think most brackets had them in as like a 10 seed before that game yesterday. I mean, I guess, it, you know, yeah, it's not a bad loss when you're you're looking at Northwestern. And I don't even think if they lose to Michigan, I don't know that that would qualify as a bad loss, too. But, I mean, re- regardless of whether they get in or not, they, they need to find a way to score the ball. Um, and and I, I don't know, I think they're ripe for, you know, their, their brand of play that, you know, we talked about they play tough, they play good defense, but they're just not going to be able to keep up with um, a, a like team. Um, when they get into the tournament, I think they could they could lose in blowout fashion um, easily in the first round if they do get in. Yeah, I think as of as of yesterday's bracket updates, they were the last 10 seed. So, I mean, if they if they have a bad showing in their first tournament game and, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I mean, that could put, you know, maybe 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 a little extreme, but I could see them ending up in Dayton, you know, and that's that would certainly impact, I think, a number of other teams. Well, I think what I'm saying is, like, are they even. I mean, are, are they even like, could they slip out of the tournament completely? I don't think so. Just because I think that's a huge fall for one game against a Michigan team that still carries some weight with the net and, and its rankings. So I, I mean, it, anything's possible. Like no one really knows what the committee is going to focus on year by year. So you, you might have a point. I just, I think, I think 10 seed to out falling six spots in the tournaments in the, in the committee's rankings is, is, kind of precipitous for but I for one game but I also haven't seen brackets have not updated uh today Monday uh for to account for yesterday's games trying to figure out which games these are here but I'm seeing Rutgers's quad three record as, as two and three 
Um, it, it looks like they haven't lost to Temple. I mean, this Minnesota one obviously qualifies, and then Nebraska might be quad three, two. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if there's anything that could send them on a tailspin, it, it, it's probably that. But, yeah, as you mentioned, um, I, I agree with you. I don't think one loss to Michigan sends them into a complete tailspin. But they're they're definitely not in as comfortable position as they were even a week ago after they, they got that win over Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll see how they can rebound uh, in, in, in the conference tournament. Moving on, uh, so another double bye went to the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, finishing off a pretty strong season um, despite, you know, just getting run off the floor by Iowa earlier in the week. Uh, They were able to uh, regroup and beat Michigan on Trace Jackson Davis' senior night in overtime, um, another another overtime game for uh, the Wolverines. And Trace Jackson Davis showed out, as per usual, 27 points. Eight rebound, nine rebounds, six assists, two blocks, two steals um, to match up with Hunter Dickinson, who went eight for 13 from the field for 24 points and had another double-double. We've seen this Indiana team be super resilient time and time again. You know, Despite a relative off night from Hood Shafino, the supporting cast has really kind of started to, to dig in and get, and get things done. So I'd, I'd say despite the, the no-show against Iowa that they're still in a pretty good position as we head into the conference tournament. Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of their keys to that win over Michigan was the player of race Thompson. I think having him, having, you know, him who's a veteran um, who can make shots in the post and, you know, his shooting percentages from three aren't great this year, but um, he he can be an effective three-point shooter. I mean, I think having having that third guy is, is going to be crucial for them as they navigate their way through Marsh. I think just really, really awesome – um, second season under Mike Woodson for them, you know, they, they, they probably had the, they, they had relatively high expectations. I think a lot of people thought they were going to win the big 10, but being able to, to sweep Purdue, get a couple of quality road wins and end up with a double buy, I think is a really, really good season. And I think just further proves that, you know, Woodson, not only from a, just like an X's and O standpoint, but from a culture and a toughness standpoint, um, I mean, they, they were playing a desperate Michigan team and they, you know, fought through what was a strong challenge from them to be able to find out a way to grind that game at home. You know, I, I think they're in good position, you know, to to win the Big Ten tournament. And um, honestly, they're well positioned for a deep tournament run, just given their their star power with Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis and potentially, a you know, a top four seed um, on top of that. Yeah, I think uh, they've they've definitely proven me wrong time and time again uh, this season. Um, so it's you know really good, and I think like you said, they've drawn, they've got a pretty good draw in this in this in this tournament. Um, so I, I'm intrigued, definitely intrigued to see uh, you know how that how that bears out, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, I think you know Trace Jackson Davis has really really put together a, a fantastic season, and and like you said, guys like Grace Thompson really stepping up at the right time is pretty key for this team. Um, especially as we head into tournament play. Uh, a couple quick hits before we move on to the preview. Um, Illinois, insane week, uh, beat, outlasted Michigan in double overtime in Champaign on Thursday, and then despite being down 24, uh, came back and made it a game, lost by five, um, but really kind of strung together a frantic comeback. Um, they end up as the seventh seed and will play Penn State on Thursday. 
Maryland lost twice this week, so first to Purdue and then at Ohio State. Um, and, uh, you know, as we've seen – sorry, Penn State. They lost to Penn State, not Purdue. Um, so they lost to Penn, Penn State and Ohio State. Um, and as we've seen, this this team is a different team away from home. I believe they only have one loss at home this year. Um, so their their road splits really tend to be a problem, um, and they finish in sixth place. Any anything there, Steve? I just I think the one thing that to your point about them being fascinating, I I saw a stat somewhere that said they're the first team in the Big Ten to go undefeated at home in conference play in five years, and yeah, so you know I, I mean. I, I know we talk about it being really tough to win on the road in this conference. I would have thought there would have been another team that would have gone undefeated at home over that time. But yeah, you know, I mean, from now on, they're not going to play another home game. So um, we'll just have to see which version of Maryland they get. But it, it, it feels like a win for them somehow swindling into the, the sixth seed here, despite this really, really bad um, end of the season. Um, we'll see what, what Kevin Willard has in store. Because they seem vulnerable, um, you know, especially against a hot Nebraska team um, and very, you know, far away from College Park. But um, I think we've also seen the upside of this this team, too. They could be more dangerous, honestly, when you get out of conference into the into the overall NCAA tournament than maybe they are in, in, in Big Ten play where teams know them a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think that's a case for a lot of these teams, too, especially the teams that play slower um, and and really try and grind the game out. But I also look for Kevin Willard to immediately start complaining if the Terps go one and done in both the Big and the, uh, the Big Ten and the National Tournament. So another fun thing to keep your eye on. Last thing before we head over to the preview is, you know, I, you and I said it as soon as Iowa uh, – got up run you know finished running off the floor uh running Indiana off the floor on Tuesday we immediately started texting you said that they were going to lose to Nebraska at home they did that exactly uh and but somehow you know the five seed is a interesting a very interesting spot for them and we'll talk about that in a sec but uh the season continues to be a roller coaster for Iowa and I am sure it has not stopped just yet also credit credit to Fred Hoiberg I mean he he may have Saved his job. I don't know how hot his seat was, but he, he at least saved his job this year. I mean, 9-11 and 11 in conference play. We probably haven't talked about them enough, honestly. Um, they're sitting at 16-15 and 15 overall, so probably good enough to make the NIT, um, you know, especially if they win at least one game. Um, but, yeah, you know, they, they've proven that they're a formidable out, especially at home. And they've, you know, gone on the road and gotten a couple of tough wins, too. You, you know, I mean, long-term viability of the the program notwithstanding, um, I, I'd say great step forward for Fred Hoiberg as he tries to turn them around. Really impressive turnaround by Hoiberg. That's definitely a situation to keep an eye on. All right, Steve, we've made it. The Big Ten tur- the Big Ten tournament starts in two days, Wednesday, March eighth, and I think we should just just dive right into it because um, we've already been talking for a while. So. Interesting spots on Wednesday. You've got Wisconsin for the first time, I believe, uh, relegated to Wednesday playing Ohio State. Then you've got Nebraska and Minnesota, who are more comfortable on those Wednesday days uh, than most other teams in the conference. So I guess starting with Wisconsin, Ohio State, you know, you've got a Wisconsin team that needs this game. Like they need every single game they can get. They need, you know, because this will be a quad two win uh, if they can win. They've beaten Ohio State once. Um, kind of on the back of a, of a second comeback. And I, you know, 
we thought that Ohio State had kind of checked out. They were at least able to swing, uh, you know, one win this week against Maryland and coming on the backs of beating Illinois. They have not won an away game or a non-home game since New Year's Day. And I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't see a reason that Wisconsin lets this one go, even if they've played a lot of game, a lot of games closer than they should have so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, from a motivation standpoint, I, I think you know, Wisconsin's at the point where you know they they need this just to keep their tournament hopes alive. Then, um, yeah, there's there's nothing more to say other than that. So you know, they have every reason to put their put their best foot forward. You know, I, I think when you Look at the on-the-court battle. You know, I think Wisconsin should have a decided advantage in the post, but where I worry a little bit about Wisconsin is just the ability to guard on the perimeter. Their you know, wings and guards have been effective enough, but Bruce Thornton's been playing well as, as late. You know, Sensabaugh has the ability to get hot and dominate a game, maybe even more so than any player on Wisconsin's roster. And as you mentioned, Ohio State's been playing tougher as of late, you know, showed, showed themselves very, very well um, in East Lansing on Saturday, despite a hot shooting Michigan State team. And, you know, they've won their last two games. So and this game is probably closer than people think. But, yeah, Wisconsin has to find a way or else they're, they're probably not going to make the, the dance. Um, and then, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota. I mean, Nebraska is definitely the hotter team here. Minnesota's had a good week. Um, you know, where they, they showed, they showed well against Wisconsin and then they beat Rutgers. So, you know, they've got a little bit of momentum too. I think this could be two really fun games on Wednesday. Yeah. I think, you know, like you mentioned how well Nebraska is playing right now, um, is definitely a factor. I think Minnesota has kind of given all they can, uh, and has not gotten very far. Um, you've got reports about Jamison battle and, and one other guy leaving next year. So you got to kind of wonder what their motivation status is. So it's going to be going to be very interesting. Moving to Thursday, we've got the kind of the most important game of the day, I'd say, is the first one where you look at the 8-9 matchup between Michigan and Rutgers. Um, both teams kind of need this win, um, and it's it's going to be slow. It's going to be ugly. Um, Rutgers is especially going to look to limit, I think, how Kobe Bufkin's going to be able to play in transition. Um, the the Omari-Dickinson matchup is always very interesting as they're two kind of very different styles of big um, with Dickinson being more more polished and and crafty around the rim, and Omari just being more athletic, so I'm interested to see how that one goes. Um, I'm I have no idea what's going to happen. You could tell me any literally anything except maybe Rutgers winning by 20, and I believe it. Yeah, I, I think this one. I mean, you know, I think just stating the obvious, I think Michigan needs this one more than Rutgers does. Um, but I think as we just talked about, I don't think a loss here for Rutgers slides them out of the field of 68. Um, whereas, you know, Michigan's probably not in as of now, uh, but especially if they lose that game. But they, they probably need to beat Rutgers and, and do a little bit more to um, navigate in that large bid. But I think different bracketologists will have a, a different opinion on that. Uh, you know, these, these teams just played, uh, believe it or not, just over 10 days ago. Um, and Michigan won that game in Rutgers with, without Jet Howard. So they, they have the blueprint. I'd say that that performance was a outlier from a defensive standpoint for Michigan. I don't know that they can bank on holding Rutgers to only 43 points again. Um, but I, I expect this to be low scoring um, and, and, and slow. Um, and and it, I think it's it's going to come down not so much necessarily to who dominates the, the big man matchup. I, I think both big guys will, will get double digits and, and show well. 
I think it's whose guards can make the most shots. Um, Kobe Buffkin had a really good game, you know, at Rutgers when when Michigan won there. But it's it's really going to have to be him and, and Jet Howard that lead Michigan to victory, um, because, because just because they're they, they've really shrunk their rotation and they're not getting productivity out of you know guys lower than than you know number five on their rotation. Um, whereas you know Rutgers, I think they, they, some of their role guys have been trending up, right? Like Derek Simpson's, you know, been a little bit of risk of a resurgence. You know, Paul Quist can come in and knock down a three every once in a while you know, when you need him. So yeah, really, really interesting matchup here. Yeah, agreed. I think I think you know for those looking out for game of the day, you're going to see it pretty early. Moving on, I think Iowa was Iowa versus the winner of Wisconsin OSU is going to be really interesting and. You know, it's again, if, if it's Wisconsin, it's a game that they have probably have to win. You know, they just got to keep winning as much as they can. Um, Ohio State presents an interest, more interesting matchup, I think, in terms of Sensabaugh specifically and Thornton, although, you know, Tony Perkins has, has proven to be uh, much better uh, defensively uh, this season, throughout the season. So I think, you know, Wisconsin's already beaten Iowa twice this season. So they have, again, like you said, they have the blueprint. Um, they're able to slow Iowa down significantly. You know, Iowa doesn't always like being in those sorts of games, so they're going to really try and run it, especially against the uh, Wisconsin team that will have just played the day before. So I think, again, huge clash of styles. Whoever's style wins out wins that game. Yeah, and I, I think here also, I, I think the, the fact that Iowa plays fast, you know, favors them in the long run over like a four-day tournament situation like this. And, you know, we saw the prime example of that happened last year, which was really out of nowhere, out of Iowa's program having essentially no pedigree of doing, of, of having really any success um, in, in the Big Ten tournament before. Motivation is, I think, a huge factor here. You know, I, I was comfortably locked uh, a, a tournament bid up. Wisconsin probably, you know, needs this one to, you think if they if they win this game, they're, they're in? If, if Wisconsin wins both those games, yes, I would say. Another another quad one win over Iowa would be uh, enough to get them in the field, as, unless you know you have Arizona State get really hot or Oklahoma State get really hot in their respective conference tournaments. I think yeah, that would be I, enough to send I, at least send Wisconsin to Dayton. Well, I, I think the other thing that we haven't talked about just nationally is I think bid bid stealers are going to be less of a thing this year, um, just because there's not as many like strong for sure at large teams out of the, the non-power five. Like I think um, the Atlantic 10, for example, usually has like one or two at large teams that they know are going to get in. I don't think they have any this year. Um, the, the Mountain West, the conference that typically has a few, they, they've got probably actually four or five teams that can make the tournament this year. So I don't know if you're going to get any bid stealers there. And same with the West Coast Conference. There's like two to three teams that are going to get in there. So I, I don't know that bid stealers are going to be as, as big of a thing this year. Um, so yeah, I think it will just come down to like, if a power five team that isn't in the field gets hot, um, who, who could be stealing that bit from Wisconsin. But I, I do think motivation is a, a big factor here, um, given that, you know, I'd expect Wisconsin to be playing with that type, this type of desperation. And I think Iowa just has a history of coming out flat. You know, they'll have had their longest break in a while and, you know, Wisconsin will be less rusty and that might allow them to get out to an early lead and control the pace. Um, yeah. I think that's I think that's a good way to look at this game. It's going to be a very interesting one if if it's Wisconsin Iowa. Um, so moving on, then we'll have uh, Illinois Penn State in the other game where the the teams are already decided. Um, I mean Penn State's just killed Illinois this year, and 
Illinois is going to know what's coming. Penn State's going to know what's coming. I, I think, you know, the the health of Jaden Epps is going to be a big thing after he had to be hospitalized with a concussion after a practice incident. And Illinois is really also starting to shorten their rotation a bit. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things where if Penn State's able to actually get open threes and make them, they'll win this game. And if not, they won't. Yeah, I mean, I think at the loss of Epps is a story in itself. But I think given that this is both teams' first games, I, like Penn State's got a pretty short rotation too. So I think I don't think like fatigue comes into play necessarily in, in this game. But I mean, it's, I mean, this, this would have applied to the last game we talked about too. It's really tough to beat a team three times, right? Like I said, it's really tough to beat a team twice. It's really tough to beat a team three times, but with Illinois, I mean, and we've harped on this all year and the Purdue game on Sunday was a prime example of that. You just don't know which team you're going to get on a given basis. In the first half, you got, you know, bad Illinois and the second half you got final four level Illinois. And so, you know, which, which team's going to show up and, and Penn state hasn't, you know, locked anything up yet either. I, I think, you know, they're, they're coming in on a high of having, you know, just one, two games in dramatic fashion on the one hand that proves that they, we know they can, you know, win in close games, having, having picket and having, um, you know, a team that is tough on defense and can crash the offensive glass um, will help you late in games. Um, however, Illinois is by far the more talented team in this game. So, I, yeah, I, I think, it, again, a really unique clash of styles here. Uh, but but I, I think Penn State wins this game. They're, they're probably in, right? I think it'll depend on the rest of the bubble. I think, you know, I, th- I think at a certain point, you're probably not going to get both Wisconsin and Penn State in this field. I'm less certain of that as you, but it's, I mean, it would definitely help to get a third win over Illinois. Moving on, we've got Maryland playing the winner of Nebraska, Minnesota. Um, I mean, they, they just lost to Nebraska, who I expect them to be playing. Um, so I expect them to be ready for kind of the up-tempo Nebraska attack. Um, and I think that Maryland really sees this as, a, as an example to show that they can actually get a win away from home. Um, and so I, I think that they're going to show up, really show up this game and, and try to improve their tournament standing. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like the Nebraska narrative. I like how free-flowing they're, they're playing. They're, they're, there's, there's essentially no pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Nebraska can win more than two games here just because of the, uh, the like, fatigue that they, you know, the fatigue disadvantage they'd have if they end up making it to Friday. But I, I, think, I think Maryland's really, really vulnerable when they get away from College Park. Um, and I think uh, Nebraska's a, a really, really fun storyline. But you know, as, as far as the one-on-one horses, I would, I would probably take Maryland. Um, J- Jameer Young, you know, fringe, first-team All-Big Ten guy at, at point guard. Um, and, and we know what they can do with their others. J- the Julian Reese-Derek Walker matchup is one that's potentially really, really, um, you know, appetizing if you're looking for, like, an entertaining late-night game there. But, no, I, 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 I agree with you. I think um, full slate of games with really, really interesting headlines – um, some bubble related, some matchup related, and some just like um, can teams get back on track related? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday is going to be definitely a lot of intrigue. Friday, we obviously get the top four seeds all playing. So you've got Purdue playing the winner of Michigan Rutgers, Michigan State against whoever comes out of the Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio State bracket, Northwestern playing either Illinois or Penn State, and then Indiana versus either Maryland, Nebraska, or Minnesota. I think you know, you can get bogged down kind of projecting who's going to be playing where um, before we head into this 
Saturday, Sunday semis, and then finals. So I think like out of each, I think I think at this point, I, you know, maybe a couple of things you're looking for from from certain teams, and then a prediction for who brings it home on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, well, I I'm just looking at Friday, and you've got some really fun matchups that could potentially yeah. come out of this. I think um, a Michigan State Iowa rematch of that that crazy game just you know eight days ago would be would be really really fun there um yeah i think uh Mich- michigan state yeah yeah as, as we've talked about they're they're hot shooting paired with iowa's fast pace i mean yeah I could, you could see another game that gets up into the 90s or 100s um mm-hmm. and i think you've, you've also got the possibility of a northwestern illinois rematch in here and they played two very very entertaining um games as well and I think the the looming question with this Purdue team is just and and I've phrased it you know on this podcast for those who've listened but how how good are they at the end of the day like are they a team that can actually like dominate in the way that you'd expect a one seed to dominate or are they just a team that's won a bunch of close games this year that has really only one superstar and a bunch of other guys. Um, and, uh, you know, how how well they do in the Big Ten tournament, I don't know that that matters for that narrative. But at least me in my head, I think they're very, very vulnerable um, for an early round exit in the NCAA tournament, just because I don't think they have the playmakers other than Edie, you know, to to really like compete in a game when, you know, they get pounded when they're facing athletic wings. Um you know, out of some of these other conferences. And I, I just, I, I really think Edie can be neutralized in, you know, a, a one and done scenario. Will we see some of that in Chicago? I don't know. I think teams are too familiar with each other and, and maybe it doesn't matter, but, you know, I, I think especially with the prospect of a, a Michigan Purdue game on Friday, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson can go toe to toe with Edie, at least offensively. Um, and that could be a desperate Michigan team fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. Um, I'd, I'd be eyes wide open if I were Purdue going into that game. Yeah, so I, I definitely hear what you're saying. I think Purdue could also face a weird, a, a weirdly interesting test from Rutgers um, just based on their defensive abilities. Um, Michigan State should have a very entertaining game regardless of who they play. Um, Northwestern Illinois would be a huge game to have in Chicago. But the team I'm really looking at and the, my pick to, to cut down the nets on Sunday is the Indiana Hoosiers. They've been playing really well recently. Trace Jackson Davis obviously putting together a player of the year type season, and the supporting cast is finally playing well enough. And I think you you look at the draw that they got. So they'll start with likely Maryland or even Nebraska and then go through Northwestern uh, or Illinois or Penn State. And I think that's more advantageous to how they play. And then that puts them in the finals. Um, so I think that the combination of how they're playing and the the bracket draw that they have uh, would, would make me – that make me choose them as, as the winners of, of this tournament. I, I think I'm going to go with Michigan state. Um, I, I think no one's really talking about them just because they, they weren't part of that big, like, you know, six way tie of teams with eight losses going into the weekend. And, and, they, and they didn't really play like a premier opponent this last week. And so they're sort of quietly gliding into Chicago with, with the double buy. I think they will be well rested. You know, they, they played two really, really competitive games against Purdue this year, um, did not win one of them. But you know that they can, I think, c- c- compete, you know, really well with with the, with the Boilermakers and, and potentially 
upset them. So I, I like Michigan State. I think it would be a great story just given everything that's happened um, with, with them over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and, you know, March is, is Tom Izzo's month. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think – I think this, you know, they're, they're, they're ready for a reminder of, of that. And I think the other thing I'd also say about them is, you know, while they're executing really, really well on offense, um, their defense is tough. I mean, it's tougher in East Lansing than it is anywhere else, but they pay, play really, really tough defense despite the lack of like a dominant big guy. Um, and so I look for that to really, um, I look for that to really matter just also given their draw to, you know, I think, um, that'll matter in their first game. It'll matter if they play Purdue. And, you know, then on Sunday, I think that that more comes down to just like experience. And, um, and you know, once you get to Sunday, it's just, yeah, it's about, you know, who's got the strongest legs, who's got the most willpower. And I think Michigan State will have, you know, a, a lot of that um, that that will will be on display. Yeah, I think I think you all you make you make good points. They'll be well coached. They'll be disciplined and uh, they'll be ready to go. So just a reminder that if. Indiana or Michigan State wins this tournament. You heard it here first on Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us through what was an insane regular season. Uh, you know, it's March, so we're just getting started over here, and we'll be back with a full breakdown and NCAA tournament preview next week. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.